0: our Thought Life series, and then also our A Grateful Heart series. And for the rest of the year, throughout the Christmas season, I just want to talk about this idea of His wondrous works. His wondrous works. And I don't really, I don't get the sense that I'm going to do a lot of deeper teaching in this. If if this series had an impact in your life, here's what I would like the impact to be. And that is, Throughout this Christmas season, that your mind and your heart and your awareness and your your attitude toward God and even your experience of the world is kind of reset and filtered from the perspective of just His wonder, His wonder, His glorious power, His splendor, who He is. Like you know, and and the the mindset that I think of, like I don't know about you guys, but during worship, I go there. I go pretty deep and deep meaning, I really I feel like he's in the room. Amen. How many of you feel that way? But and, and he is in the room, but it's as if he's just right here with us. He's the reason that we gather. Buildings are meaningless. A donkey can prophesy. and fools preach. It ain't about us. It's about him. Amen. And that's all we want. We want people to know Him. We want people to see Him. We want to get out of the way and lift Him up and may His name be celebrated throughout the earth. Like the songs came together and Tori prophesied and it exhorted us. It's what we want, right? Like Isn't that what you want with your life is people to think about Him when they think about you and not because of anything that you've done but because people know you and then they see you after Christ and they're like, well, if he can do that in that guy, he must be great. And I'm joking a little bit, but honestly, I, I, you know, and I don't want to get, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to get super emotional, but I just, I just want us to kind of recapture a sense of awe of God. You know, you think about the, the, the expanse of the universe. You think about the fine-tuning of the universe, where our earth is set within our solar system, the type of sun that we have, how all the forces, you know, if you, if you think about the standard model of physics and you think about, I think about these things, you think about gravity is perfectly tuned. The weak and nuclear, weak and strong nuclear forces are holding us together. We have this electromagnetic spectrum that allows us to see color and beauty. You know, he could have just made a stale block of a planet I mean, think about that. Like like when you think about God and ultimately what He thinks about you, what are the things that you think about? What are the things that you notice? Like when I'm reading Scripture and I see Jesus actually lay hands on sick people and they get healed, He didn't have to do that. He could have just come here, died for our salvation, and said, this is the way to heaven. I hope you make it. I mean, honestly, there, there was... There was no rule or law that made Him heal people. Why did He do that? Because it's just who He is. When God takes the time to declare Himself and state, I am the Lord God, your Redeemer. I am the Lord God, your Deliverer. We should do whatever it takes to get ourselves in a heart position and repent and change the way that we think to be fully persuaded, that is actually who God is. It's the enemy that causes us to question who God is, to question not so much who He is, but if He'll be that in your life, right? Well, I know that He is this. I know that He's provider. I know that He's healer. And I'm talking about judge as well. He is your judge, and it is... You know it is we don't we don't sweep under the rug the Hebrews passage that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And this is a warning of rejecting salvation, right? But I want to look at how Jesus framed worship, how Jesus framed fearing God. And then I just want to read a psalm and and I kind of want you know this is I'm going to do this and I'm going to encourage our family to do this, but you're welcome to do this as well, is just throughout this Christmas season, spend some time in the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 145 today. Spend some time in the Psalms, especially the latter part, 145 through 150, or just whichever ones really stand out to you. But from the perspective where you're actually seeking to resonate with the heart of David or whoever wrote that particular Psalm and just get into sync, and and I'll show you what I'm talking about. So, a few passages here I want to look at when we think about God, when we think about being in awe of Him, Deuteronomy ten twenty, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast and take oaths in His name. So then Jesus quotes that, and Jesus quotes it um, when He's in the desert being tempted by the devil. He'd just been baptized God had just declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we see the tactic of the enemy. Jesus goes out into the desert to face the temptation against the the devil. And the enemy immediately questions what God had just declared. You're my son, if you really are the son of God. And that's what he does. The enemy gets you to question the word of God, gets you to question the character of God, and gets you to question who you are in Him. And who you are in Him is not a result of what you've done, but a result of what He's done. And that's one of the most challenging things to believe is that you are who He's made you to be in spirit. In spite of your failures, in spite of your continual playing around in sin, He changes you and that's not who you are anymore. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now repent, renew your mind to actually live that way. And so, throughout this whole season i just want to get i just kind of want to recapture this awe of god you know it's like think about who he is and then expand that and then expand that maybe even spend time as you're in the word meditating thinking you know read in revelation where it describes the throne of god it talks about the elders and the angels and the river of life and and not so that you can have some mystical experience but you're just you're just Washing your thinking with descriptions of that heavenly dimension and recognizing that somehow we're connected with Him. The kingdom of heaven is within. Jesus said the kingdom doesn't come with outward observation. Don't say who's going to go up and bring it down or go down and bring it up. It's in you. The kingdom is in you. Father, thank you. Thank you that we recapture just this sense of awe and respect and worship for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So when Jesus quotes this passage after being uh, tempted by the enemy, it's Matthew 4.10, Jesus said to him, "'Away with you, Satan, for it's written, "'You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve.'" Now, we're not saying that the Word of God is wrong, and we're not trying to change things. We're just looking at how Jesus thinks about it. So when Jesus thinks about fearing God, it's worship. It's reverential awe and respect especially for the believer. For the believer, it's uh, you're his child. And as Tor even quoted earlier in Romans 8, the same spirit that raised him from the dead is giving life to your physical body, and that spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you're his child. I mean, how amazing is that, that the Spirit of God would take the time to affirm to you that you're his child, that you belong to him. And that's what we all deep down want. We want to know that we belong. We want to know that we're accepted. What greater way to know that than in Him? Amen. So I want to read this passage as well. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed. And So this is to, to, to frame how we're going to approach the concept of having worship and reverential awe for Him. So... And we, we've we known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. One more time. God is love. Now, love includes justice, right? Love doesn't uh, wink at sin. Love doesn't... Love is not permissive, right? But... God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. (coughs) Anybody have any fear about the day of judgment? You know, I did a message a few weeks ago on your works being judged. So for the believer, all of your works are going to pass through the fire. And those good works, you receive rewards. And those dead works... Wood, hay, and stubble are burned away. It specifically says, 1 Corinthians 3, you yourself will be saved. You'll suffer loss, but you yourself will be saved. There is an end. There is a judgment. But we are not to fear that because we are in Him. In fact, we are so in Him... This is And this is hard to get your mind around, but it's just right here. It's plain as day. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because... As He is, so are we in this world. Now, I don't know how you read that, but He became like you, so you could become like Him. And you have the deposit of the Spirit in you if you've said yes to Jesus. In fact, in this moment, in spirit, you are like Him. He's the firstborn among many brethren. I'm not saying you're God. I'm not saying you're going to become a God. We're not Mormons where we get planets after we die. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about Colossians uh, that says, we have become partakers of His divine nature. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're a god, but you can't deny that you're a partaker of His divine nature. By His great and precious promises, you become partakers of His divine nature. As He is, so we Now. What's important about that? It's important about that because you don't you shouldn't be afraid of God. God doesn't want you to be afraid of him. You still continue in sin, you struggle in sin, you hide it, you think you're getting away from it maybe everybody actually sees it it's destroying your life. What are you going to do? most people now listen, this is what happens. most people just kind of if you're actually trying to overcome your sin, most people stay away from everybody you stay away from church, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray. Maybe you abstain from the behavior or the thought processes or whatever that sin world is for you. You stay away till kind of the guilt subsides a little bit. Then you kind of come back and you kind of play the game again. Then you fall away a little bit again. Most people fall into this low-level sense of this is the sin that I'm going to struggle with the rest of my life. But when you actually really capture this, then you open your heart to access the power of grace and then you no longer are under the dominion of sin. Sin has no power over you because you are under grace. Now, most people misunderstand grace. They think... Most people think grace and mercy are the same thing, and if God shows you grace, then that means He overlooks or forgives that which shouldn't be forgiven but because Christ... But what grace actually is is a power. Grace is a strength working in you to strengthen you and empower you beyond that which you are able on your own. But to get this concept... So again, we're framing how Jesus talks about worship. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now that's not talking about, can you be made perfect on your own? But love can do a perfect work in you. This is what it looks like for love to do a perfect work in you, is that you are no longer afraid of God which means you will go to Him when you need help. I love how the New Living says it here. New Living says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. This is a big deal. If you're afraid that God is going to punish you, then... Number one, you don't understand the cross. All believers will go through the judgment seat of Christ. That means all your works will be judged, and you'll get rewards for the good stuff, and the, the wood, hay, and stubble will burn away. But that's not a judgment against your sin. Christ was judged in your place. Amen? God, if you're a believer... Now, this upsets some people. If you're a believer... God has already judged your past, present, and future sin. God will never judge you for your sin. Christ paid for it wholly and completely. Now, depending on how you respond to that, I might lead you to Romans 6 that says, well, should we just continue in sin? If you hear that God's not going to judge you for your sin and you think that's telling people, just go ahead and sin, then you're misunderstanding what grace actually is. You're misunderstanding that grace is a strength and a power to strengthen you because you stand forgiven. Now, if you hear God's not going to judge you for your sin, how many of you that makes you want to run out and sin? Doesn't for me. It makes me want to protect this salvation. Makes me want to guard my heart and not live carelessly in that. So we have to have these things in place when we seek to go to Him in worship of Him. Because if you truly worship with a wide open heart and you completely are exposed to Him and you're completely vulnerable and you're admitting the depths of your weakness and darkness, it's a scary thing. And if you don't trust Him, if you don't believe that He will help you, then you'll hide from him, and you will never experience transformation, and you'll continue to struggle with that same thing over and over and over and over. It's, it's like it's like Christian Anonymous. Hi, my name's Clint, and I'm a sinner. Okay, but you overcame that sin years ago, and you don't even do that anymore. No, but I'm a sinner. Yeah. I love Alcoholics Anonymous, but if you hadn't drank in 20 years, and you still struggle with it, you need to try a different thing because you actually can change your desires inwardly that's the spiritual strength and fruit of grace I'm really not trying to upset people I just I just I just believe in the transformative power of the word but the worship of God is the most intimate place where to let the word actually do a work within you so throughout this Christmas season, I just want to have these worshipful hearts toward God. I want to be intimate with Him. I want to uh, remember why Jesus sent or Jesus was sent. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I want to I be bold in my identity in Him, knowing that as He is, so am I. But I also want to give Him all full credit for it. It's like this paradox that we live in because people, are they don't know Him. People are dying and passing into eternity and don't know Him. God does not want you to be afraid of Him. For Jesus, the definition of fear was not terror. It was awe and respect. Worship the Lord your God. So from that, I just want to look at a couple of passages here. And I, think, I don't think I'm... I was going to walk through the whole psalm, but I'm only going to go so far here to kind of set the stage. And so let's, let's let this actually be a prayer as we close. And I think Chris, is Chris in here? You want to head on up here? We will, uh, we'll just kind of let this be our prayer as we start to close. You guys appreciate Chris? Woo. So, Father, we trust you. We love you. We thank you. We acknowledge that your word is true. We set our hearts to worship you. We set our hearts to be influenced by your spirit to live lives that are honoring of the salvation that we've been given through Christ. We don't want to take our salvation for granted. We give you all and respect. Now, just acknowledge his presence. He's the Lord of all creation. He's the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. He's the preeminent one. Just think about who he is. We can use this as a bit of an exercise for the worshipful hearts that we're going to have throughout this season. And even just imagine as if he's in the room. Jesus, we worship you. We give you all honor and praise. I am so grateful for you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, what would you say to him? Like, honestly, what would you say to Jesus? Thank you. We give you praise. I bow before you, King. Have your way. I give you my heart. And then we just approach the word, especially these Psalms. Great is the Lord. What does that mean to you for Him to be great? Is He great? Do you see Him as great? Even if your life isn't reflecting that, can you have the gratitude? A proactive gratitude to say that he's great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your greatness. Thank you, And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. How many of you want to do that? You want to be that generation. One generation shall praise your works. You know, there's a passage where they're confronting Jesus. And his answer was something to the effect of, well, if you don't believe that I am from my father, then at least believe me for my work's sake. This woman was sick. Issue of blood. And she touched him. But just think about that for just a moment. We'll declare those and shall declare your mighty acts. And this is the one that just kind of really hit my heart for this season. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And what is meditate? Meditates, think about, ponder murmur you know so what what this is actually describing is the process of repentance you're struggling in whatever way you're struggling with maybe it's a particular sin how can you meditate on his wondrous works you think about him on that cross Jesus we thank you I know know in this season, we are to celebrate his incarnation, his stepping into humanity, him becoming like we are, tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. Even just that idea. I know it may be difficult to do it in a group setting, but just for a moment, determine that in your private time, in your worship, your devotional time with the Lord. You're going to meditate on His wondrous works. And not just detached where you're looking at Him and you're saying, oh, you're great. But what does it mean to you? What's the effect on the inside of you? Expect the Word to actually do a work on the inside of you. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of Your Majesty and on your wondrous works. Thank you, Holy Spirit. On your wondrous works, I will meditate. And I just saw us doing this, maybe even sharing. What's the wondrous work that comes to mind? I'll turn this for the next two or three minutes group participation. When you think about His wondrous works, what comes to mind for you? You can just go ahead and speak it out. Healing. What are His wondrous works? Peace. And even if it's a particular story or a passage, where does your heart go when you think of I will meditate on His wondrous works? Redemption and Creation and redemption. That's a big one. You think about creation. A little bit louder, parting the sea. Provision, casting out demons. Where does your heart now So, Oftentimes when we pray and when we meditate, we're praying from need. We're praying from lack. We're telling God what we want. But when's the last time you just thought about Him? And you get yourself out of the way. You don't get, you're not coming to Him with your need. You're just thinking about that. And, and I get visual. Like I'm thinking about Jesus coming to the shore, getting off that boat, walking on mission. And here comes this lunatic, screaming, yelling, and cussing, and probably biting and he's chained breaks through the chains and he's just wild and Jesus touches him I just I just want to become familiar with his power What else? What else do you think of in his wonders works? A creation of the church that is a work of wonder indeed all to Paul when he became a human yep. he, he's a high priest touched with the feelings of our infirmities he's not a distant God he knows what it's like to be you the resurrection what did you say Tracy? joy set before him he endured the cross he knew it was coming in fact he prayed in the garden and we'll just we'll make this the last one that we collectively think about as we meditate on his wondrous works together think about that we think about the incarnation in this season but I think about this scene a lot he's in the garden of Gethsemane he's praying he actually asked the father if there's a different way let's do it that way but then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And because he did that, and we have his spirit inside of us, we can lay aside our will so that his will be done. And I just want you to get a picture of this. Let me guide you for just a moment. And you don't have to close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open if you wanna participate in this or not, it's up to you. But I just want you to think about, get an get a image and a visualization of the cross, of him carrying the cross. We know that he drugged the cross. We know that he'd been whipped and beaten. He was bleeding. He had the crown of thorns on his head. There was a man that helped him drag the cross. And I just see this scene so clearly to connect with. And I could just imagine that most people facing crucifixion, they're probably fighting They're probably struggling and they probably have to, once the cross is laid down on the ground, these people probably have to be forced onto it. They have to stretch their arms out. But I think about Jesus and I see him dragging that cross. He drops it onto the ground and he's looking at it and he doesn't even have time to stretch. He just looks at it and he embraces his fate for the joy set before him he endured the cross and i just have this picture of him laying down and rolling over onto his back and he stretches his arms out willingly and he looks over to his right and the roman soldier over there may even be a little bit surprised that he doesn't have to stretch his arm out that jesus makes sure He's in the right place to be nailed to that cross. And I just see Jesus catching a glimpse of this soldier. And if you can, turn the visual of it to you are that Roman soldier. And you see him laying down on that cross. And he stretches his hand out. And he says, I did this for you. Jesus, worthy are you to be praised. Jesus, great and mighty are you. Jesus, how humble you are to lay your life down for us. Jesus, the suffering King and Messiah. Jesus, the God who stepped into humanity to destroy sin and death, to destroy the power of the enemy over humanity and I say yes to you. Yes, Jesus. And if you're in this room today and you've never said yes to Him, I'll give you the opportunity now. You'd like to maybe for the first time profess your faith, say yes to Him. Just lift up your hand so I can see you. For the first time maybe you're saying yes to Him. And if there's anybody online, just be willing to believe that He died for you. Jesus, we trust you. We love you. Greatly you are to be praised, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. Magnify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So if that resonates with you, let's do that. Let's meditate on his wondrous works throughout this season. Let's get ourselves out of the way. Our wants and needs aren't important. He knows what you need before you ever even ask. Right? He wants to be a good father to you. We just want to behold you. and As we behold you, we are transformed. We are predestined to be conformed into your image. And it happens as we behold you, as we renew our minds. So just tell him that you trust him. I trust you, Lord. You're my God, you're my King, you're my Savior. And I love you. Thank you for loving me. Even when I was dead in sin, you died for me. And not just so that I can be assured of my salvation, but so that I can be bold in you and help others come to know you.